Welcome back for another episode of the Inner Circle Podcast. Uh, my guest this week is Lakshmi Hansbaugh. Uh, if I butchered that, you can correct me. But uh, Lakshmi, go ahead and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and your role. Thanks, Tony, for having me on this podcast. Uh, and that is right. You you got it perfectly. Lakshmi Hansbaugh uh, is the way the name goes. Uh, I'm the global CISO for Box. I joined Box earlier this year and uh, loving every minute of it. Very cool. Um, you know, we were just kind of talking a little bit just before we started recording about uh, you know, my, my, my history with Box. I mean, back when I was writing at PC World and Box was just starting, um, I had a you know, very strong relationship with Box. I still have a, you know, a fairly strong relationship with Box and and uh, periodically touch base with uh, Aaron to see how things are going. I'm still social media friends with the original Ashley, uh, <laughs> um, and and I've always really you know liked what uh, what what Box is doing and 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 the way that Box uh, kind of you know has has innovated and continued to like build partnerships and 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 you know do things to not not just be an online storage but to kind of a facilitate productivity and collaboration and everything else. So um, I, I am a Box fan. That's great to hear. I know Box can get pretty integrated in our lives, not just pro professional, but our personal uh, collaboration uh, activities as well. So it's great to hear that. And as you know, you've been following Box for a while, as you know, we've transformed or uh, journey has transformed uh, since 2005 when it was started off as enterprise file sync and share to now the uh, leader for cloud content management so we're you know our story now is how can we power content uh, for our customers so that they can transform their businesses absolutely and you know so you're you're in a, a what I would consider to be a very key role uh, within that because um, when you're talking about file storage and collaboration on a global basis, um, and you know there, there's a, there's a lot of security and privacy and compliance issues that come into play in trying to navigate, uh, you know, HIPAA versus PCI versus GDPR versus whatever, and you know what data is allowed to go where and who's allowed to have access to the data. Uh, that's a lot of, that's a lot of plates to keep spinning at the same time. Uh, it's, it is. And it's not, uh, you know, I guess that's the, that's the life of the CISO. It's not for the faint of heart. I think that's what you're saying. So, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, if you think about, if you think about box in particular, but I've been in this field for 24 years, across multiple domains, uh, 16, 17 years of financial services, um, 
before Box, I was SAP. So if you think about building to scale, if you're thinking about um, excellence and customer engagement, and that is where we are uh, with Box, uh, you know, with our services offerings platform, whether it's security, compliance, privacy, data protection, risk management, go-to-market enablement, governance, any of those pillars, we're thinking scale, we're thinking excellence in customer engagement, risk transparency, and then automation um, where for processes that are mature. And if we think about the landscape in itself, transformed, um, you know, again, I'll be dating myself when I say this, but I've seen four eras of the cybersecurity, call it culture, call it um, engagement model. Uh, so in the mid 90s, it was um, more policy driven. So you, you got a pat on your back or a slap on the wrist for whatever the business wanted to do. And then it moved on to the business enabling era where the question was um, not so much yes or no, the, the response, but more so yes and here's how. So, you know, you're enabling the business, you're empowering them for the disruptions that they want to bring. And then we moved into the risk aware era where risk transparency and conversations on how much risk are we assuming, how much is resi residual risk uh, is there and operating, not just uh, innately within our own data centers, but also the risk to cloud providers. And that, you know, that's where the IAS and platform as a service and software as a service uh, caught uh, traction. And I would like to think we're now in the era of digital trust. And digital trust means a lot of different definitions for different people, it depends on their experience, the backgrounds. But for me, it's quite simple. It's the ability of entities in a business relationship to have the level of confidence in operating within that relationship. And for me, that is about native controls, controls that are built into the platform, not bolted on. And particularly within Box, uh, we truly believe that digital transformation for each of our customer is accompanied by digital trust that we provide within the platform, within our services, within our offerings, with our engagements. And that is comes with uh, the proverbial single pane of glass view on risks to content, which is where most CISOs and CIOs and CTOs would like to see said, this is great. We can have boxes, a storage layer beyond that. We can have boxes, a content management layer. But what about a transparency into how our content is created, manipulated, transformed, deleted, uh, any of that content lifecycle? How do we how do we get a view transparency around the risks to our content? And then how do we scale during uh, with automation? So those are the digital trust single pane of glass view on risks, automation, these pillars are very important to us. And we also practice what we preach in a way. So we are our customer zero for our own products, especially security products. And also we have a practitioner's view, if you may uh, say, uh, and we try to share that with customers who seek that view. Hey, tell us what's going well for you. Um, you know, tell us how you were able to use, you know, either some services or offerings for the betterment of your corporate and uh, business transformation environment. So I think that's a very, uh, it's very exciting for us to share those uh, stories as well. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I have been in cybersecurity on the, you know, in, in the trenches on that side of the fence. And, and now for many years, I've been on the 
uh, you know, more of the writing about it and journalism side of the fence, um, but, but basically involved in some way, shape or form for nearly 20 years now. Um, and it, the, the, the threat landscape is constantly evolving. It's constantly expanding. Um, and you know, so I'm curious, you know, when you look at kind of how things have transformed over the last couple of years, kind of the rise of ransomware, crypto jacking, uh, whatever, um, and some of that, you know, may or may not have a direct impact on, on you, but, uh, how does that, how does that affect box or how does that affect the box customers in general on a day-to-day basis? I think it's top of mind for us, very much top of mind for our customers, uh, and especially uh, when they are making the leap into cloud uh, for whatever their motivation and reasons and drivers, uh, maybe it's it's if it's not the first question. I mean, our product, our platform, our features, our capability, our differentiators, all that is a given nowadays in conversation. So security, compliance, trust-related. Uh, topics, if not the first question, it is uh, definitely the second one on the table. Uh, and it doesn't necessarily need to come from the CISOs, the counterpart CISOs uh, that we are engaging with. I mean, we have business leaders, uh, we have, uh, you know, any of the C-suite technology leaders as well, wanting to understand the risks and operating in an environment. Um, best practices, how can Box be a partner to them, not just a provider, and uh, how can they adopt uh, some of the uh, success stories either seen in their own vertical or many customers are open to cross-vertical success stories as well. So it's top of mind. Uh, and whether the the risks have actually changed, I know you mentioned uh, ransomware and cryptocurrency, and, and those are evolutions in... Uh, maturity of transactions, I think the risks um, uh, were pretty much, you know, what it was 20 years ago. I mean, we feel like we've gotten rid of the plague and uh, we were able to do that within, I don't know, a period of few decades and we're still stuck with problems we're seeing uh, where we saw in the early 2000s. Um, with so, I, so the way to think about this, and this is, this is what I think about as a CISO, is that threat landscape continues to evolve. It's our ability to reset and to um, uh, and to recover uh, in a way that's important. And resetting is more important. Uh, and, and let me explain a little bit about what reset is. When we think about design uh, of our stack, or we think about design of our access uh, for our customers, the ability to reset is to say, okay, let's just pull the plug within that circuit and and see if we're able to connect back together that's the ability to reset so to, doesn't matter what layer got um either held you know ransom hostage or uh, actually you know sort of had uh, some kind of uh, non-availability could be ddos or so on the recovery the reset and recovery is uh, more important as much as is the response uh, capability as well and so in that in that um, light, what we what we think about when we think about the evolving threats we have in the environment is um, abuse of contents, which is like account takeovers, abuse of platform, abuse of services. Uh, think about DDoS and so on, and um, 
content platform services uh, and accounts. So those are the four things we think about uh, when we have to um, build those muscle memory and accompanied with um, the strategies to do so with reset and recovery is uh, is how we, I, I believe we continue to evolve. Uh, having those conversations with customers, they are a partner with us in protecting their data and understanding what muscle memory they have built in as well uh, is important. So more and more our conversations are shifting towards partnership with customers. Uh, they understanding the role they play with the use of any SaaS provider. And also, what are some of the best practices they can bring into their environment? Obviously, any platform and product comes with a multitude of choices for configuration, for operations, but what is uh, some of the best practices they can gain from our perspective? Um, that is where we are engaging more with our customers today. All right, and 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 that's a, that's a good point too, because you know you, you talked about uh, you know digital trust and and you know. So there's there's a trust relationship between you know Box and its customers, um, but there's a lot of moving parts involved that beyond Box and beyond just the customer. And like uh, you know, I, I I see a lot of times uh, when companies are are just using the cloud in general, AWS, Azure, Google Cloud, whatever, um, you know, and having this sort of mentality of uh, well, I've put you know I've put my data or I've put my my workloads on AWS, so now it's AWS's job to secure and protect those. And you know, and I've done I've done a fair amount uh, my part uh, to try and evangelize on behalf of the shared responsibility model and let people know, hey, you know, yeah, AWS is going to do a great job of securing and protecting the stuff AWS is supposed to protect. And same thing with Microsoft for Azure and Google for their cloud. Um, but the things that you put out there, the things, you know, your workloads, your data, your stuff that you're putting out there, that's still yours, uh, you know, and, 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 I, and I, I imagine, you know, the same is true, you know, when I put my data in box, it's still my data. Um, and, you know, and, and ultimately, you know, you just mentioned like all the, all the various ways things can be configured. It's like, when you look at a lot of the the leaks, the breaches, the whatever uh, in the cloud, um, it does seem like a fair amount of them come down to kind of user error. They come down to you know the, the the customer or the company not properly configuring or not using the security controls that have been provided to them. And most of it is education and partnership, as you said. You know, it's, it becomes a had I known kind of conversation then, right? Uh, or it seemed obvious, or now it seems obvious. Um, and it's, you know, there's something else you said. It is truly a partnership uh, with our customers in in them trying to understand uh, their role uh, they play and the and the education that goes. It's a two-way sort of education as box as a provider. We need to know uh, where our customer risk tolerances lie, where their uh, what sort of use cases they are. Uh, empowering um, or getting empowered through the box platform uh, so we can have better you know tailored best practices for them uh, if you think about different vertical life sciences versus financial services and retail and so on uh, but that's that's one part the other part of it is also the customers performing their due diligence 
on each of the providers that they would go to. So if you think about Box, as I said, it evolved from enterprise file sync and share to becoming a storage platform, and now we're con cloud content management. And that really means that you could have content directly within Inbox, so created, uh, transformed, access, evolved, or Box could become the underlying data protection, data storage layer for any of your SaaS providers. We have a multitude of integration with, uh, you know, Salesforce and other SaaS where you have these number of SaaS that you need to use in your enterprise, but you have Box as that single layer for content management across your SaaS. So we're powering, so when you think about Box, it's powering through integration with applications, powering through the native capabilities in the platform. We have capability to classify data that you would put in there. You know, if it smells like a contract, looks like a contract, feels like a contract, it's going to be very simple. We're going to ask you, is it a contract? Right, so we learn from that, and then we're able to tag future uh, contracts uh, or future contract structures as well. So, contracts, electronic health records, invoices, um, you know, accounts payable, and other uh, sort of structured, even unstructured data that is there. This is the classification uh, which powers. You know, how do you share? Are you allowed to share this kind of classification with external collaborators outside your domain? Are you allowed to download? Are you allowed to, um, you know, uh, bring in other collaborators as well? I think so. A number of these, what I would call get brilliant at basics, is important and it's a journey for us. It's for us, uh, you know, as Box to get it right for our customers, and uh, customers need to be just as curious to ask what's best for them. Okay. Um, so that's, I want to I shift gears a little bit from from talking about kind of the the, the security and, and privacy of the data itself, and and talk a little bit about um, the role of of CISO. Um, you know, I think with you know in the in the past few years, you know, the, you know, maybe more than just a few, but let's say the past five years. Um, you know, we've had major data breach after major data breach. You've got, you know, WannaCry and other ransomware attacks uh, making headlines. Last week it was ransomware taking down, you know, 23 cities in Texas. Today it's ransomware apparently taking down 400 uh, dentist offices. But, uh, you know, th there seems to be a cybersecurity story uh, making headlines all the time. And that has certainly brought security to the forefront, made it more, a more mainstream uh, conversation and, and, and topic. And, uh, and and at the same time, that seems to have elevated the role of the CISO within organizations where, where uh, you know, I think if, if you go back five, 10 years, I think there was a lot of this sort of sentiment that, that you know, the, the, the C might stand for chief, but it was not really looked at as being on, on the same peer level as a lot of the other C-suite for a lot of companies. And I think that that has changed some. So I guess, you know, you're, you're in the role, you've worked in the role. So so what are your thoughts on kind of how the role of the CISO is evolving? Right, the inner circle of CISOs would tell you the C stands, or the well, CISO stands for career is so over. Yeah. So you sign up for this. So, uh, But here's what I've seen, right? And it, uh, it truly, differs uh, from CISO to CISO in terms of the role organization where they are. You'll find CISOs that say, I'm, uh, you know, I look after protecting the company, protecting the brand, protecting the corporate environment. 
the others would say I'm um, more, uh, you know, leaning towards compliance and audits and that's more validation and assurance uh, sort of function. And then you have anybody, you know, along the spectrum. But for me personally, it was very important to evolve into uh, a role of a CISO that has accountability, but more so visibility. Uh, again, I'm going back to the proverbial single pane of glass view on risks uh, for the company. And so within Box, uh, let me give you an example of uh, how it's structured. We have the trust office and I lead the trust office. And that's a very deliberate terminology we've used because ultimately it's about trust we build in the products, trust we maintain in our operating environments, and the advocacy and partnership of trust that we build with our customers. So, uh, and within the trust office, there are six different pillars spanning across security, compliance, uh, data protection, um, risk, uh, risk and assurance, internal audit, go-to-market enablement, governance, program office, so a number of these functions. So you can think about a combination of operation functions, validation and assurance functions, and um, driving and influencing functions such as a corrective and preventative actions. Um, the, and the reason it's structured, and, and in enabling go-to-market, again, another unique view in which Box is being structured because we believe that that is our tether to reality, right? It's, it's no use building any solutions in a bubble, our tether to reality and adoption and feedback is going to be from our customers. And that's where we hear the voice of our customers. And uh, it's important to understand that for me, this, this way of operating as a CISO is important to have that ability to pivot, to uh, redirect, to re-steer as needed in adjusting to where we need to focus. And I know you mentioned a number of um, exploits you've seen over the last, you know, for the, or the recent uh, days or weeks. And that is a pattern that will continue and we're going to see, a, you know, an increasing pattern. Personally, I think there's going to be more dial-up on APIs and open gateways and anything that we provided as uh, to developers or to our customers, making it easier for them to self-serve or self-ingest. <coughs> Excuse me. And in third-party risk, where the due diligence to end party uh, today is, uh, is is sort of a combination between provider and the customer. So these are two areas we continue to have focus on and, and will have added focus. Uh, but those, you know, the threat landscape is going to continue to evolve. And as a CISO, it's important whether you have direct accountability of the function or not, but direct uh, visibility and transparency across risks across your environment is needed, including uh, product-related uh, risks. So, for example, my team ha works very closely with product and engineering uh, for security compliance, data protection, risk management, all of those topics. And we're also customer zero uh, for our products um, as well. So we're able to be part of the alpha beta group, provide that feedback earlier on uh, to our products and engineering team, make the tweaks, make the adjustments as needed. So um, this is how you know, the CISO role, if you think about earlier, as you said, and I talked about the four eras of how we've evolved. Today in the era of digital trust, CISOs are more domain leaders, so business domain leaders. You mentioned that the C may not have the equal weighting, but that comes with being uh, being seen as that business domain leader that leverages on technical expertise, that leverages on operational excellence expertise, all of that. Uh, to support the domain, but more so many of us are leaning towards 
high business acumen, uh, domain um, business domain empathy. So that means working with the business and understanding what they're trying to do and driving that innovation with them. Uh, and then bringing along the frameworks, the guardrails that they need to operate securely. Right. And I think, you know, that, that is a, a big part of it is that partnership is that treating treating security itself as uh, a, a a benefit or an advantage or something that, that is going to facilitate business and not just, you know, acting as a kind of a hurdle or a roadblock, which, you know, there there is you know, traditionally there was a general perception that, you know, security was just this annoying thing that gets in the way of you trying to get your job done. Um, and, and I think we've, you know, chipped away at that some, uh, and, I, and I think there's a lot of companies out there who are, you know, cybersecurity vendors who are focused on trying to streamline cybersecurity, trying to make cybersecurity basically as invisible as possible to the end user, um, while still providing effective security. Um, but ultimately it's about, you know, finding that, that balance, like you need to be secure, but you also need to get job, get, get work done and, and be productive. Um, in, in the right. role is in the role as CISO, like what can you do to sort of like help change that perception and help, you know, kind of facilitate on a company wide basis for for you know the general end user to understand the importance of cybersecurity and for the cybersecurity people to understand that the other the end users are just trying to get their jobs done. Right, and it and it truly is in the delivery and engagement model. Uh, you know, the perception that you just discussed in terms of sometimes security can get in the way, perhaps was not a perception. Perhaps that is the way, um, you know, our teams engaged in the past. As I said, it was more of a yes, no policy driven model, not enabling. So I, I think the perception changes, the credibility gets built when A, you engage with empathy. Empathy means you engage with a high level of business acumen and business knowledge. You are, uh, uh, you know, uh, realistically curious to understand what the business is trying to do uh, in the process, uh, what kind of uh, transformation would this bring uh, for the company, and how does it help our customers? Um, and so that is important to gain. That's to seek the transparency. It doesn't always have to. Uh, it doesn't always come naturally, even for the business leaders to bring this to the table. Right? They're looking at more of a thumbs up, thumbs down from us. So it, it, it it's for asking those questions and making sure you get informed. And the third is I find that risk becomes a very uh, amenable common language across the company. So if you abstract away from the technology terms or the technology stack and we talk about risk as that common language, okay, here's what the business wants to do. Here are the risks, whether they're operational, market, credit, whatever they may be driven, uh, technical, any of those categories of risks. Here are the risks in doing so. Here are the compensatory controls available from the provider. Here are the compensatory controls in our environment additionally. And here is a residual risk. And the residual risk is risk that still remain in over and above all the things that you have in place taken into account. And then it becomes a conversation of, is that residual risk at an acceptable level for us? Is there more knobs and levers we need to dial uh, to get it down to an acceptable level? And if it is, then uh, then it becomes that more of a partnership conversation rather than 
uh, a transactional engagement, which is what I think uh, has been in the past uh, with security, compliance, privacy, risk management teams. So more and more it's becoming part of the DNA with which we operate, uh, not just within each of our companies, but also how we engage with our customers. Yeah. And I don't know if I, you know, I feel like we were possibly a little bit, a little bit ahead of our time when I was uh, working as a security analyst and security consultant uh, at EDS. And I mean, I'm, I'm going back 15 years. Um, you know, we did a lot of that, like where, you know, yes, I would look at, I would look at a, a system or look at an application and review it from a security perspective and find all the ways that, you know, it was, it had holes or weaknesses or whatever, but it wasn't really my job to pull the plug on it or to, or, you know, to, to, to just say, no, you can't do that. My job was to go back to the developers or go back to the product manager or the team lead, whoever, and basically present the case and say, look, here's all the things I found. Here are some, you know, mitigating controls that you could use to, to, protect this or whatever and then in the end this is the risk you're going to be left with and then it was up to them to accept that risk or do something about it but my job was kind of done it, was, it wasn't my job to like be the be the police that stopped them from moving forward it was just my job to be to provide the awareness and say look just so you know if you go forward with this here's what you're here's what you're exposing yourself to that's right. And that was, you know, that was a risk aware uh, or the risk transparency era. And what we've done over the years is um, also gone to the extent where a particular business or a business leader is not in the position to accept the risks for the entire company. Sometimes they don't understand downstream liability that comes out of that risk transparency you just provided to them. Right. They would go like, OK, that's OK. I'll take it. Right? right. And then then the conversation evolves into, but wait, um, here are the downstream liabilities. And, and so there is, you know, this like uh, and then you start talking about, you know, who has jurisdiction over what. But uh, it's not possible to assume risks for, you know, those downstream uh, businesses or uh, dependencies that are there. So it clearly is a dialogue. It is um, one of. Uh, creating that understanding, so patience on both sides to first, you know, create the understanding and then uh, take the time to understand um, as well. So there's a lot of patience involved in this. Uh, I've seen that uh, non, uh, you know, our domain related you know, examples help. Like, you know, if you take, I don't know, a doctor pharmacist example or, you know, something else. Uh, that you're trying to protect, I uh, think, house, houses and other things and all that. So it helps to take some kind of example for that scenario and um, and relate to what that risk would be if, you know, that if that was uh, how we operated in a different sort of setup, non-business domain related setup. And, and I think it helps to get the message through in, in a powerful way as well. Uh, so we have to think about all of these creative channels where we can get the message across. But like you said, ultimately, unless we are the ones pushing for that technology or solution or capability, um, the CISOs are not assuming the risks. They are 
uh, today, business leaders understand that uh, any of these uh, decisions, they own the risk. They have they own the remediation to those risks as well, and will be held accountable for those. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, I think that that's uh, all I've got. Really, um, uh, I do want to thank you for uh, taking the time to uh, join me for the podcast. I think it was a. Uh, an enlightening conversation uh you know like i said i, I think that the the role of the CISO has evolved uh i think it it it, it does have a lot more uh weight and mainstream acceptance uh now than it did five ten years ago um and you know and, and like i said as, as long as we keep seeing uh you know cybersecurity headlines i think it's going to continue to be an important role if if for no other reason than you know so that the company has a finger to point or, you know, some, someone to point a finger at when uh, something goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Yep, it ultimately comes to accountability. And I would just say that as long as we're leading with empathy, we will have the partnership we need in times of need. Absolutely. All right. Well, take care. Thank you. Thank you, Tony. Appreciate the opportunity. I appreciate you investing your time to listen to the podcast, but I also invite you to engage on social media. Please go like our Facebook page and follow at Techspective on Twitter and Instagram. You can feel free to let me know what you like, let me know what you don't like, let me know if you love it, let me know if it sucks, and uh, let me know what products you'd like to see reviewed or what uh, questions you'd like to see answered in future posts.